Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name. All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane along with now six-time Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Steve Carp. No, he didn't win an award. He's just in the studio now. Chris Moose Johnson at the control. Come to you from the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Steve Carp, you are the man. You went to the press conference today. We, we thought, hey, look, you're going to call in and give us the update. And then uh, all this came through with Bruce Cassidy. We appreciate that from the Golden Knights once again. Give us the initial thoughts, and of course, I'm sure Bruce was great at the at the presser. He did win the press conference, and he was great, and insightful, and witty, and <clears throat> prepared. He understands what he's getting involved with. He shares the same vision. Obviously, his management, they want to win the cup now, not later. And his experience with Boston in 2019, losing to St. Louis... I think will continue to motivate him at his next stop. And he, he did want to keep coaching. He did not want to take a year off or time off or whatever. And so basically it happened quickly. Once he was let go by the Bruins, Kelly McCribbin reached out to Don Sweeney and said, can we have permission to talk to Bruce? Boston gave it permission. They quickly got with Cassidy and... They met, they talked, they continued to talk. He's got, he wouldn't say what the term of his contract is, but he says it's good, he's comfortable with it, and he is ready to go. And, and as far as the questions that were being asked of him, you, mm-hmm. you you told us during the break or told me during the break, you know, he was asked about the power play, it was asked about his time in Boston. I mean, what was some of the questions that were being asked and what was his reaction to those questions? Well, Well, first of all, he was asked about going from the East, where he spent pretty much his whole career, uh, to the West, and he said <clears throat> once his wife Julie signed off on it, they <laughs> were good to go. Isn't that always the bottom line? Well, We, sure. we never factored that in. Yeah, I mean, they got kids also, so uh, he says kid may not uh, be a Patriots fan much longer. May have to become a Raiders fan. Well, because, it goes without saying. It's probably in the contract. Well, I don't know about that. You could ask him that. Well, we have oh, sure. No, no, I'll make sure to ask him that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll pass. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, <clears throat> he said he wants a team that will play smart, aggressive, end-to-end hockey, defend as a team, attack as a team, and, and play – the kind of game that suits the personnel that they have. Now, he did say that he has looked at the roster. He has started to talk to some of the players who he knows for sure will be here, and I'm assuming that includes cycles. Did did he say it that way? No, he said he's he's meeting with players. Okay, okay. And he's trying to get to know them, Mm -hmm. right? Because he also has to get the respect of that room from his players. Otherwise, this is not going to work. And uh, he, you know, he said that they want to be able to attack down low in the power play, 
and not settle for perimeter stuff or stuff in the point. And he said, we will make it work. If it's not working a certain way, we'll adjust it. So I thought that was a good indication that he is flexible. He, he said that there is a place for analytics in the way he coaches, but not directly as it pertains with him telling players we have to do it this way because the analytics say they have to be that way. He, what he'll do is he'll – it's more of a gallant than a DeBoer attitude toward it, okay, where he'll look at the data, see where it applies and fits best, and then use it when he thinks it is necessary, which is good, rather than force-feeding analytics down the throats of your players. Yeah, it's interesting about the, the history in Boston. You you always kind of think that they're a, you know, a heavy four-checking team, they finish their checks, they're a physical team, but really if you look at them statistically, especially under Cassidy, they've been a high-volume shot team. Yes. And that's – I don't think people understand that that is not – a team that is more worried about being physical night in, night out. It is about getting shots on net and then crashing the net uh, for a potential rebound. I mean, that's where that's where the Bruins have been for a long time. They are playing, or they were playing under him, the style of hockey that is kind of emerged in this decade, which is... They did attack, with Julian, too, to be fair, too. Which is attack, five-man unit, Defensemen getting into transition, high-volume shooting, going to the net. And, of course, on the flip side of that, you want a goaltender who's going to be able to make plays when you find yourself in an on-man rush going the wrong way. So he was not asked really about Leonard. Maybe we can ask him quickly when we have him on. Our time with him will be very limited. But we can ask him perhaps about his thoughts about Leonard as a person, as a player, how he will try to connect with him. Because it's obvious the last coach <clears throat> did not did not connect well with Robin Leonard in the end. Yeah. Nor I, with the prior goaltender. That's who is now in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean that's all very <laughs> that's all very interesting how that d- didn't happen. And I just wonder I mean, we can go down this rabbit hole about Robin Leonard again. I, I am not a guy, and this is nothing personal. I always have to say that. I'm just not a guy that, that sees him and sees him mm-hmm. with the Stanley Cup raised above his head. I got gotcha. uh, It's just I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't know more than I thought Mike Smith would be running around with a Stanley Cup over his head, despite the fact he was able to – be part of a, a team that went deep into the postseason. I, I just feel like these are, and I know the guys will go, oh, well, look what he did in New York, and he was a Vez and a finalist. Yeah, I, I, okay. Well, they require you to make about 25 saves a night on the island. It's different when you're, uh, you're, you're a team of transition where, you know, Pittsburgh always asks their netminders, hey, look, you're going to be facing 30 to 33 shots a night. Mm-hmm. We need you to be a little bit above average. I, I we'll always, do the rest. Now, you, you, you know, you're the Bruins guy in this room here. Did you feel Cassie had a good relationship with Tuka Rask when, when Rask was, you know, playing well and, and, and healthy? Did you get a sense he had a good All I can tell you is how – and I, I'm not in the room. I'm not talking. I mean, I didn't hear, hey, this is a bad relationship. But I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. As a fan of the Bruins and the way Tuka 
decided to leave the team in the manner in which he, he did. You mean in the bubble? In the bubble, right. Yeah. And say, okay, this is I'm not moving forward uh, with, with Boston. Mm-hmm. I felt as a fan, I felt, well, that's really just walking out on your teammates at this point. That's really, I mean, so I don't know how much that, how good could that relationship be if you're Bruce Cassidy. Now, I know he said, hey, I want to go home, take care of my family. I, I, who knows? You can speculate and say, I, I don't know if that's 100%. If you mm-hmm. wanted to blame COVID, hey, listen, if he came out and said, I'm not comfortable in, in this day and age of COVID moving forward, that's one thing. I, I'm, you're, that's cool with me. That's cool with me. But kind of leaving them high and dry. At, at one point, that that wasn't. So I don't know how good that relationship could be when when Cassidy, I assume as as a player's coach, is is a loyalty guy where he expects loyalty and and part of that uh, his decision whether it was because of COVID or he just was kind of mm-hmm. just done playing at this point and didn't want to be in the bubble. I just kind of felt okay. Yeah. Well, that's in the area or the family of you're not as loyal to me as I am to you. And I don't know if he took it like that. I don't know. But I didn't feel yeah, like there was a poor relationship. The only mm-hmm. thing that started to seep out at the end was his openness with where guys were. And I'm telling you, Steve, he's the only coach, and this will be very interesting. I'm going to ask him. He's the only coach in the NHL that will tell you who, who their starting goaltender is. Like, it is confirmed before almost anybody else in the league. You, you look on, uh, you know, goaliepost.com. His goaltenders are always confirmed. And you might say, well, when Tuca's there, of course it's going to be confirmed. Well, it wasn't confirmed when, you know, last season where, you know, you didn't know what, if Jeremy Swayman was starting. You didn't know if Linus Allmark was going to start. But he was always very open about that. And I think that that kind of seeped through to, hey, look, you know, let's keep some things in-house. And there were some rumors about Bergeron as well not having a great relationship. And I thought, well, I mean, a guy like Bergeron, you don't have a good relationship with him? But I think what happens is, like with any relationship, mm-hmm. and we've seen it here with DeBoer, we saw it, you know, you know, we saw it with Gallant. I think when things get really tense and you start to, you know, you lose some games – you're not playing up to your potential. Your coach is out there, not maybe in their opinion, having your back mm-hmm. to the media. I think that's when things start to really crack. And maybe, maybe when he was talking about maybe I need to change the messaging in my next stop. Remember when he met with the Boston media last week? Yes. Maybe that's what he's referring to as he comes because he was asked by Ed Graney about that, about the messaging. And, and he said, yeah, you always learn along the way at every stop how you can become a better coach, yep. a better communicator. And I think that that will definitely come into play here in Vegas, particularly with Robin Leonard. I think it will be important that those two establish a, a good rapport and communication, open communication line. So if Leonard's dealing with some stuff, Cassie could be aware of it and help him work through it. And at the same time, they got a good young goaltender, Logan Thompson, that he may wind up having to lean on as his guy. You know, if, if Leonard is hurt again for any appreciable amount of time and, and Logan Thompson is your guy in net and, you know, as the head coach, 
you definitely want to have a good rapport with your goaltender, don't you? Uh, they did ask him about staff, and Kelly McCrimmon said that they are working through it as we speak. Yeah, because he had the interview. Right, because Bruce has some ideas of people he'd like to bring on board. Kelly has some ideas of people they'd like to maybe retain. So could Ryan Craig, for instance, perhaps, or Misha Donscoff be on this staff of Cassidy's? Maybe. And, and could Probably. Bruce, and, and could Bruce possibly bring a couple of his guys from Boston? Absolutely. I think it could be a, uh, <clears throat> a co-mingling, if you will, of what the Knights have in mind and what the head coach does. He didn't seem to have a problem with it, you know, where it's like, hey, I'm the head coach here. I'll pick the staff. He never said that. No, because so, he would have never been hired. Hired. Yeah. Under that. No, but I think. Because this is a collaborative here, Here's effort. the other thing I thought that was really interesting from the presser, from Cassie's perspective. And he said, quote, I am comfortable in my own skin. So he, he understands the complexities of the job. He understands what comes with it, the pressures. He knows that Bill Foley wants to win the cup now, not later. Kelly, George, same thing. And he said, I want my name on the Stanley Cup. I want to win now. So if that's the case, then they got the guy that they feel is one who can lead them. He also said that he and George have kept up a good relationship since he was let go of Washington years ago hmm. and that he respected George. God, why didn't we see that? Why, why did – I mean, maybe you did when we were talking about – and, of course, maybe we were so heavy on By the way, George it. was not there. Right, and Just you didn't Kelly. expect him to be there. No, uh, apparently George's daughter is getting married this weekend. So I think he's out of town. And that prevented him from being at the presser? Yeah, I know. Hard for you to believe. But it's not yeah. hard for me to believe. He actually... Uh, oh, that was, that's going to be due. a grand day. And she's My kids are going to get married yeah. in the very next You're day. You're probably upset you didn't get invited. <laughs> Knowing you. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you don't, you don't know. Yeah, I won't, I won't bring it. Anyway, the so, next day my daughter gets married. I'm telling you, it is well, completely. Well, make sure you invite George McPhee to the wedding. Well, anyway, uh, so yeah, so George is always welcome at my house. So anyway, Cassidy <laughs> diffused that very quickly, saying that you know he'll do a better job. He said, "quote I will do a better job for George this time." End quote. That was when he was asked about McPhee. And, of course, that was years ago. And then his first year was productive. And the second year, what, they started out 8-22. and 22. So, I mean, what yeah. – I mean, he was brand new at look, that point. And if you look at if – he, If he hasn't learned something along the way in 20 years, he doesn't deserve to be – And coach. that was – and this is NHL. not about just the NHL. I mean, if you look at his pedigree and where he's been, yeah, and not just – even as a player – didn't he play in Italy? I mean, he's yeah, been he never everywhere. played in the NHL. Yeah. He, he was, he's been everywhere. Did he play for the Hawks? Played for the Blackhawks? I don't think he did. I'm right on that. Or but maybe he had a cup of coffee. Yeah, but, I believe that's true. McCrimmon said that what impressed him was that after he got let go in Washington, Cassie was willing to start over again, coaching junior and then minors and then back to the NHL. He said that spoke a lot to his character. And I, and I think, to you know, when when hockey people say that, that's kind of what they're talking about, that you're willing to kind of pick yourself up by the bootstraps and kind of get yourself back into the game, so to speak. And uh, so that was a, uh, 
a thing there because you know he was asked all, about all sorts of things pertaining to that. I'm going to be curious to see again, and we won't notice till September when training camp opens. What exactly will his roster look like that he gets to coach? That and, question had to come up. I mean, that's something that we can ask him because that discussion. Did you discuss the roster? Did you discuss Mark Stone? Did you discuss, you know, where, you know, the salary cap? Did those actually, questions come up? He actually said he had done his homework on the roster as they were talking about bringing him on board as the coach. So he was, and yes, he was familiar with the Golden Knights. I think the Bruins split with them this year, didn't they? Vegas won in Boston. Bruins won in Vegas, didn't they? I believe that's true, but I know over time Boston has had their number. Right. This is true. Uh, I remember the very first Boston's game, one of the few teams that have. I remember the very first time they ever played the Bruins up in the Garden in, mm-hmm. in their inaugural year. It was about to be the fourth straight loss for uh, for Vegas. Actually, yeah. Yeah, because they lost to... No, it was going to be their third straight loss. Because they lost to the Rangers, they lost to the Islanders, and then they played the Bruins. No, they lost to the Islanders. That's when... Uh, Max Legassi got hurt, and they had to put in um, yeah, not, Oscar Dansk, the a, Great Ice of Brooklyn, and then they lost. Incredible the Rangers, what they had to overcome that year in the goal. Rangers the next night, and then they went up to Boston because that's when I went on the the uh, Amtrak and we hit a turkey in New London, Connecticut. We were stalled for an hour. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you <laughs> you hit a turkey in New London, Connecticut. On the, the train did not me. It just like it just you just went past that so quickly. It was just hilarious. There. We're, we're, yeah, Ed, we Grady, Ed Grady and I are going to Boston from New York. They're yeah, playing the Bruins turkey. after they lost to the Rangers. Uh-huh. We're on the train. Grady's sleeping. I'm working on something for the paper, and we're outside of New London, Connecticut, on our way to Boston. The train stops, and we're not moving, and. <laughs> Conductor comes on, somebody comes on the intercom and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we hit a turkey. <laughs> we are waiting for, was we're waiting a, for Amtrak maintenance to help. That's a, that's a great turkey noise, by the way. To help. Was it at the, night? No, it was in the morning. And so there was a turkey chilling on the tracks. On the grill of the, of the train. I guess it infiltrated the engine or something. So we, we were waiting like an hour. I mean, this is the stuff that we have Steve Carpon for because that's... So we wind up getting into Boston like in the afternoon. You know, they didn't skate that, that day. How long did it take to, to fix the turkey issue? An hour. Oh, you were saying that. Okay. Yeah. Man. Took an hour before we were back on the... Uh, back moving. So they had to get the turkey. Yeah, so Granny went back to sleep. I went to the club car and got a coffee and waited it out. <laughs> that was it. You went and got some... Uh, <laughs> Stuffing it in cranberry sauce. And- no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but but uh, we didn't want to. We didn't want to have to take the train to LaGuardia, then take the the shuttle up to right. Boston Logan, and then it was just easier to take the train to South Station, Boston, and and then go right to our hotel. Unfortunately, we weren't uh, planning on turkeys colliding with trains no you got to think of that steve i mean you can't go anywhere i know i'm going to uh mexico this next week and i i am on the lookout for turkeys i mean that is something that you always have to be aware of steve well turkeys can be kind of uh aggressive 
Oh, yeah. You know, until you kill them and eat them. Until <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. They're aggressive until Thanksgiving. Right. So, anyway. So, so um, good press conference. So, but, anyway, the, the Knights went up to Boston. They, they were in a very competitive game, and they lost to the Bruins. And they have had not they have not had much success. No, they've lost six Boston. Of, six of eight. They've lost. So, so old Bruce Cassidy did a pretty good job against the Golden Knights during his time with the Bruins. So now it's time for him to flip the switch, see if he can get uh, some wins for the Golden Knights against Boston. Yeah, last time they played, they won five two. That was back in March. Bruins won five two. Right. Uh, Swayman against Leonard, and then obviously that would be. Earlier in the season was uh, the other one they lost 4-1. So, yeah, they split yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, that was also swimming against Leonard in December. So, mm-hmm. good. I Hey, look, I think we're all happy with this hire. I like Bruce Cassidy quite a bit. Um, I thought in some ways he got a raw deal in, Bo- in Boston. But I also, from a Vegas standpoint, I love that he – and, and this was probably the difference, or not probably, it was the difference between Trotz and, and Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy was ready to get right back on and and, and coach again. Yeah. You know, Barry Trotz is, he He's doesn't still, know. And I don't think if I'm I, looking at, if I'm looking at uh, Kelly McCrimmon and, and uh, you know, Bill Foley, if I'm looking at them in the face and George McPhee, and I can't give them an answer, and I'm wishy-washy. As as management, I would look at this man who is, you know, certainly yeah. the credentials hold their own against no, most but coaches. It's more about commitment. But the problem point. is, I don't. I'm not looking at this guy thinking, okay, I don't want to have to push you because come December, if things aren't going great, I don't need you thinking about, oh, I really didn't want to do this. Right. There's no way I can bring you into no. my organization. I want somebody that is sitting down in front of me with a fire in her eye, which I'm sure that Cassidy had. Yes. And he wants to win a cup to say, hey, look, you made the wrong move. And, of course, he wants to win you a could, cup because he could, wants to win it. You could hear it in his voice. All right? I love that. He wants to be here. He wants to coach here. He wants to win here. He's not here on a five-year, six-year plan, okay? He may have gotten five years in his contract. We don't know. But I know short-term, his mindset is the same as Bill Foley's, as George McPhee's, as Kelly McCrimmon's. Win now. Win with this group. Elevate them. Raise them up. Get them playing together. Get the harmony back in the room. And let's get after it and try to win the cup now. Yeah, I love everything. And I, I think that kind of attitude will really go well with these players, with this group. Agreed. And I love There's it. It's a good veteran. And it's a new voice, so it's got it to work. It is <laughs> definitely that. It is a new voice, for sure. Well, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about game one. And in about 15 minutes, we'll have Bruce Cassidy calling into the show. Okay. 
STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline, powered by Station Casinos. 
I'm Dana Lane along with Steve Carp, Chris the Moose Johnson spinning the beats. Every song you play sounds like it could be on the NCIS Miami what is it NCIS or uh, Miami Vice no Miami not Miami Vice. Vice what's the other one Miami CSI Miami CSI Miami uh, it could yeah. be on that soundtrack everything yeah. I mean I, I think could... he's trying to get you in the mood for your Mexican cruise oh it's great I think I am yeah it's, it's yeah. a very nice groove right you got working this in. one I you love this always band find this groove with different bands have you played this one before I might have I don't know. What's the name of the band? The, the name Kings? is The Growlers. Los Growlers. Never, you have, uh, you've never paid to play that no, before. No, no, no I actually, I have multiple times before. Here? Yeah. It almost sounds like a modern Beach Boys type. They kind of are. Kind of thing. They kind of are. They are have a lot of play, Western. Are, are you going to play this on other shows? You're going to... I mean, um, this is your signature. I love The Growlers, so probably. Yeah. I love this band completely. Um, the song name is Night Ride, and the album, because I like to drop an album name on this one especially, <laughs> is called City Club. It is great. I love it so much, and the, and the, art, the album art is amazing as well. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's, it just looks like I a, love this, man. And from a music standpoint, as we speak, Tempt is playing in the Netherlands. Yep. Nether- Netherlands. Yep. Opening up for Shinedown. Yeah. Stadium tour starts tonight. Are they, are they playing at Johan Cruyff Arena? I, I I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I, where, I, where? And I'm telling you, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I, I just you, I think you know their tour schedule. Well, I know the schedule. I just don't know the. Nor, I know they're playing in the as Netherlands. As you know, I'm going to Amsterdam next. Yeah. Next uh, May for Springsteen. So I was just curious if they were playing in a similar venue, the same venue. Yeah, which is a big stadium, by the way, big uh, soccer stadium. Yeah, I don't think they're they're not at that point yet, okay. but they are playing at. Well, we're gonna have the lead singer on again at some point. Well, of right? course we are. Well, I'll have to ask him about Amsterdam because maybe give me a couple of things beyond the Van Gogh Museum and the Anne Frank House. <laughs> when they come back, uh, we'll definitely have them on. They're playing at uh, Grass Pop, the metal meeting in uh, 2022 in Belgium on the 17th, and then Hellfest. Uh, on the 19th, uh, and uh, the other then they'll be back uh, playing at the Mercury Lounge in, in New York City, and we'll see what happens. Road trip? What? Road trip? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. It depends. Take they're, the show on the road. They're oh. playing. They're playing. Oh. <laughs> oh. We're here live from the Mercury Lounge. Um, they're playing with a band called Station, who uh, is a really good band. It's, it's a great bill. I just got to know who's opening, who's closing, because it's a little crazy. If you're flying across to New York City from Vegas for, you know, a 35-minute set. That's a little nuts. A little crazy. So No, anyway. you know what's nuts? What's nuts? You going to <laughs> New York to see them play that 35-minute set. I, I've done that. Vegas. I've done that. Oh. As I'm not the only one from Vegas that has done that. So... Right. Okay, let's go. Let's get into game one before yeah. uh, Mr. Cassidy calls. Uh, game one last night, of course, Colorado took mm. a one nothing lead over Tampa. 4-3 overtime win. Everything that I was apprehensive about going into playing a side in this really came to fruition. And I was glad that I was on the over because yeah. I, I – and, and what surprised me too, we talked about pace – this really wasn't an overpace. No, I, I really was Especially surprised. Especially from the Tampa that. perspective, o- outside of they the first period, slow. they look slow. And and Vasilevsky looked human, and that's a big problem going forward. He's going to have to raise his game if they're going to win the cup. 
But you know, you saw the statistics, I'm sure. Uh, Elliot Friedman put it out there, and it's been on TV. I mean, his numbers. After losses. Game, well, not after losses, just game one of a series. Yeah, has been, I think his save percentage is around 840. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not good. And then moving forward, uh, of course, his, his numbers are fantastic. Were you surprised at how well Colorado came out of the gate given their no. time off? No. Given the time off they had. We, we, they were ready. Well, Benor had them ready. I was surprised by – no, I, I wasn't because, I mean, we talked about the, the series against St. Louis. They had time off before that too. And by the way, if you go back and look at their records, I think they're – from a gaming standpoint, I think they're a, a, a must bet coming off of two days or more off. I think they've been fantastic. But I thought it was going to be like dogs let out of the cage. Mm. But, but it was only that way for Colorado. Clearly right. the team – that had some time off and wanted to, you know, had the the better of the legs. Yeah, they seemed to benefit from it more than the team that had, quote, unquote, momentum going for it, heading into the final. But, but the other thing, too, is, that, I mean, the 4-3 final score, which crept over the six, really wasn't an indication to me. If you look at that and you say, oh, it's a one-goal game, and we, we know how it got to that point. But – when you want to factor in all the chances that Colorado had, I mean, the the three on twos, the two on ones, yeah. uh, you know, Rantanen had a, a backhander on a, a two on one just a minute or two into the game. I mean, that really set the tone for. Yeah. I mean, there was, and you said it perfectly. Tampa looked slow. It wasn't this back and forth like when we saw you know Edmonton. Colorado and Edmonton. <laughs> there was this back and forth transition. Yeah. And maybe it's going to take a second. But you brought something up, Steve, that I think did play a part. And you you saw that in Cernak when he was coming off the ice at some point. I think altitude played a huge role. I mean, Cernak looked like he couldn't get a breath. Yeah. It, it seemed to impact some of the Tampa players. Not all of them, yeah. but some yeah. of them. And, and in that kind of setting... It only takes two or three guys to be laboring where it kind of has a trickle-down effect on the whole team. And the other thing I thought, and I thought it would help, but I think it actually hurt, was the return of Braden Point to the lineup for the Lightning. We he said it yesterday. Nothing. I, I, I will it's say like, this. It's like it, it hurt them more than helped we them. We always talk about this in every sport. And maybe the only difference is when I when a quarterback comes back to a team, that's a little bit different. That's an immediate impact. But in hockey, when you have a name coming back to a team, especially at this point in the season, in the regular regular season, I can I can bet that that guy's ninety percent or ninety five percent. And the only reason why he's not a hundred percent is because you just got to get your stamina back up. I think it takes guys two to three games. To come back and say, say, hey, I'm Braden Point now. Mm-hmm. You, you, people overreact to guys coming back into the lineup, and people don't realize, especially when you're, you know, you're putting a little bit of money on your on your opinion, how important it is to have cohesion. And, and when you have one guy that maybe is not up to snuff and and it doesn't have the speed that that line is used to having, that really hurts. Mm. And so for me. 
I never got excited when Braden Point, we don't know in the postseason, guys come back when they're 65%, when they're 70%. I mean, let's see, when Kadri comes back, do you think I'm going to go nuts because Kadri's coming? No. Wham, we're talking about a hand injury if he comes back? No way. That's, that, you know, I'm glad you brought Kadri up because I wonder if the same thing happens to the Avalanche in the event he does return to the lineup, does it mess with what their chemistry has been? Because he's out now. He's been out for a while. You know, he got hurt in the St. Louis series. I'm wondering if, are they not better served maybe not having him on the ice as good a player as he is? Because I think it's different when you have a cadre versus like a Barakovsky coming back. Because the better the player, the higher up Mm -hmm. on the lines that a player, the more he means to your team, the more you have to shuffle underneath them. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to change. Yes. So when you have a guy that like a third liner coming back, there's not much change. Yeah. So that's more important for me when a third liner comes back versus uh, you know a top six guy because there's more underneath them. And it's not just five-on-five hockey. You're talking about your power yeah. play. And ironically, I thought Tampa's best line last night was their fourth line with Maroon, Perry, and, and Belmar. And of course, you know, Maroon taking that – Delay a game penalty late in the third. I mean, you just got to be smarter about it. You got to understand the situation. And yeah, the puck was rolling on edge and stuff, but these little things, they usually do well. Last night they didn't, and it got to beat. So as we head to game two, your thoughts about Tampa bouncing back. They didn't play horribly. The goalie needs to play better, and I think he will. I, I really like Tampa to come back and win game two and take this thing back to Florida 1-1. I don't know what your thoughts are, but maybe you think Colorado's just too good for them or too fast or whatever. I think they had a terrific game plan for Kale McCarr last night. They contained him, did not give him a lot of room. The one thing that concerns me for Tampa is their inability to create space. Uh, the forecheck was absolutely all over them last night, even in their own end, where Colorado was not afraid to be aggressive. They weren't afraid to pinch. They were not threatened by Tampa's speed at any point. In fact, you look at the goals that the Lightning scored, and you could say, well, (laughs) you know, the the Nick Paul Paul goal, that's a terrific pass from Hedman. You know, it was a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, normally you would expect, and I think what happened there, I think Kemper came was was caught between should I come out to play this puck yeah. or should I not? And then by the time the puck was in the back of the net, he was you know outside the crease and just not in good position. And so all those things, you know, we saw Colorado create odd man rushes. We saw. Uh, them be very aggressive in all three zones. Those are the sort of things where I, I look at it and I go, okay, how can that change? Is that going to change very much from game one to game two? I don't know how all of a sudden you create and and the way you beat it was yeah. with quick passes for right. sure. And, and they, they can play that way. So I expect John Cooper to adjust. And I think uh, you'll see a different Tampa performance tomorrow. Yeah, so we're excited about that. Game two of the Stanley Cup final. 
We'll see if they can tie it up. Uh, right now, it's an honor to talk to the brand-new head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a man that I have followed his career uh, for quite a while. And it's you were at the press conference today, which was, which was you know, I mean, he won the press conference. And so we're very uh, excited to uh, have him on the show. And from, from, from your standpoint, Steve, we all think this is a great hiring coach. We appreciate uh, the fact that everybody is comfortable with your hire. And so f- during this whole process, uh, please tell us uh, from start to finish where it started to get in the back of your head that, hey, Vegas is going to be uh, a potential home for me, and I'm very excited about being there. You look at the roster, and you have to think, this is a, this is a team where we can win the Stanley Cup with. Yeah, uh, Dana, Steve, thanks for having me on, first and foremost. You bet. Um, real excited to be here. Um, can't wait to get started. Um, but I think talking to Kelly initially, um, just going through the roster the, and, and knowing from the outside the success they've had going to the final uh, and a couple other good runs, knowing that a couple of guys, uh, Alex and Petro, had won the Cup. So they got a, a, a mix of experience. Uh, both young and old. So right away you're looking at the roster that there's certainly guys that have been there and there's room for, for growth in them as well. So, uh, and I think for me, um, you know, leaving Boston, we had some good runs, but you know, I have some, you know, personal unfinished business is to get my name in the Stanley cup and yeah. as do they do. Right. So they're, we're, we're, we're kind of merging together there in our, in our uh, paths of, uh, you know, success. So I think that's the, the first thing that appealed to me. And then, then you get to know, Bill Foley and I knew I've known George for, for for a number of years, and then you get to know Kelly and what terrific people they are and how dedicated they are to to having success, and it's, it becomes a no brainer. And how much when you were going through the process uh, of looking at the roster, how much discussion? Of course, you had to have this about, hey, look, uh, where is Mark Stone with his his back? And you know, you had to have an idea of what this roster was going to be when you start to start the season. And I'm assuming all of those answers were were positive. Uh, you you may or may not have even taken a job if they weren't. No, they were positive, and and for me that, you know, I, I think the first part of any conversations is. You know, do your philosophies coexist on how you want to play, uh, where the direction of the team? And obviously, you know, I take information from them. I talk to them about, you know, how, how we, we feel we had success in Boston and, you know, are we a fit? And I think that was seamless. Um, and then you go on to more into the in-depth in the roster. And like I said, um, a lot of talent up and down the roster. But I didn't get into specifics with, okay, is, is Mark's, you know, injury uh, – Short term, long term. I think that comes out later. Okay, here's the guys. They're going to be. They're going to be fine. They're going to get their medical treatment. They're going to heal up, lick their wounds, whatever word you want to use, and and they're going to be ready to go. So, that that's always you know fluid as you go. Who heals faster? But you know this. You know this roster when healthy is as good as anyone's in the National Hockey League. I think in, you know to a man, people around the league would say that. It's now just a matter of of getting them all playing together and and uh, playing as a team and, and pulling the right direction. Bruce, when when you've got a veteran team like this, is it easier to build relationships as a coach with players, or because the fact that they've been through a number of coaches over their careers that it's a little more challenging? Yeah, I would say the latter because you're right. They have, you know, and I know Turk and Pete. They're very good coaches. Um, 
it's a bit the business. So I thought I did a good job in Boston, and, and I'm no longer there. So some of that, the players recognize that, you know, there's it's going to happen. Um, and then there's a certain amount of when you're a veteran, how you've played, how you've had success. So I have to get to know them mm-hmm. probably, certainly more than they'll have to get to know me, right? And then it becomes a mutual uh, trust and you're in their respect. Whereas young guys, sometimes when you're involved with them from, from the beginning, you've, you've built that already and, and on their way up. And uh, so it's just a different way, really. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the players have to trust you. You have to trust them. There has to be, you know, a mutually beneficial respect and how you're going to do business together doesn't matter young or old but it's just a different challenge but it's still a challenge no matter what any coach that comes in has to build those you know those lines of communication and that's the way I look at it yeah because you need a good room if you're going to be successful you have to have harmony in the room let me ask you about Riley Smith he's a pending UFA do you intend to talk to him between now and the start of free agency to uh, just see where he's at and maybe he can talk to you about where you're at and see if there's a common ground to keep him in Vegas yeah, my intention is to speak with every player, and I've already be, begun that process, and um, Riley will be no different. I think I'll get some direction, you know, from Kelly, you know, you know eventually on, on, you know, sort of where that's going. He's the GM. You know, that'll be his decision. He knows his players better than I do, and I'm the coach. But that aside, uh, you know, I will begin building relationships. And if a player leaves uh, for whatever reason, well, um, you know, then – well, you know, you've, you've sort of set a low, and down the road you'll sort of shake hands and wish him luck, but that's the way I'm going to approach it. Yeah, you can only worry about the guys who are on your roster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're talking to Bruce. Yeah, and, and, Go ahead. And that comes and goes, right? That's, sure. that's just part of the business, too, just like coaches do, players do. So, um, But, again, we're, we're, we're going to begin that, and whether it looks the same now when I'm talking to players as it does on, on opening night, I mean, you know, that, that you know that's, uh, again, in, in Kelly's hands, and he'll do a terrific job of it. Yeah, we're talking to Bruce Cassidy, brand new uh, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. And Bruce, we just got a couple minutes, but I want to ask you, I mean, everybody, and I'm sure you were asked about it at the press conference as well, everybody wants to know your philosophy about the, the power play. I mean, have you had a chance to look at Vegas's power play and what they did uh, that could have been a little bit better last year? I mean, this is something that I think as anybody who follows the Bruins knows that you know, you've been a pretty high tempo team, despite the the history of being a physical, uh, hard uh, forechecking team. But you've been the Bruins have been pretty uh, pretty good in transition and on the power play. I mean, I think that when you when fans look at how good your teams have been on special teams, I think that's something to be really excited about. Yeah, I mean, our culture was team toughness, play for one another. I mean, we defended well, but we went on the attack. Um, mm-hmm whenever possible. So that, that'll be our philosophy here. You got to make it work for the, the pieces in your room. Uh, how we did in Boston, they're always a little bit different everywhere, but those philosophies uh, aren't going to change. And, and we'll try to make sure we instill them, teach them, you know, properly and, and, and have the players buy in. As for the special teams, power play, I've run it in Boston for, for, for the, my entire time there. Um, you need good players, uh, first of all, that can execute, but you need preparation and you need practice, so that's where the coaching comes in. Um, and, and then and try to put the players in their best position to be successful, right? That's all over the ice, five-on-five, five, et cetera, but really important in the power play. So um, that'll be the, you know, the first conversation with um, you know, the guys that are going to be on it. And there's a lot of talent here, so that, that'll be another thing. What if a guy 
um, gets bumped by another guy that's typically on, and that's again part of coaching where you have to keep him on board. So, um, but I'm not worried about having enough good talent. I'm worried that you know maybe I might lose someone in the next that deserves to be on it. Right when you have that many good players, yeah. and, uh, we just got to get it to work. And and to me that is. Uh, you know, getting the play, the puck in the, the appropriate player's hands at the right time, quick puck movement, efficient puck movement, sharing the puck, uh, retrieving the puck. I think that goes, you know, unsaid about power plays. A lot of power play goals are scored on second and third chances, yeah. you know, when you, re- you recover pucks. So you've got to make sure your guys are, are working to get it back. It's, you know, the worst thing about a power play is a one and done, right? Where, mm. you know, you get one look and it's gone. So I think you break teams down when they're fatigued. I think when they're they're out of position, you know, trying to get back into position is when you have the most success. So that, that'll be the, a real big emphasis for us. Yeah, well, we, uh, yeah. I love the phrase quick puck movement. That's something that I think that we would love to see more of. Uh, Bruce, we appreciate you coming on. We wish you nothing but the best. Uh, I think we're all very excited that you're here, and we'll certainly talk with you down the yeah, road. Yeah, don't be and a stranger. We're, we're also we're, we're sorry it's 105 degrees today. We just wanted to greet you properly. There's no mosquitoes or no humidity, but here we are. Welcome <laughs> no, to Vegas. And no snow. <laughs> and no snow, that's right. No, nothing to shovel. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. I'll, uh, I'll be happy to join you guys again when we get love to. Uh, uh, up and right here, but um, yeah, have a great day. Congratulations, right. uh, Bruce. Thank Thanks again. Yeah, thank All right, there he goes, Bruce Cassidy, brand new head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate uh, you joining us today. We also uh, just what a what a whirlwind of a day. Good job, Chris, getting <laughs> yes. a what getting a job here at KSHP. What That's a day. amazing. We want to thank uh, Steve Carr for going to the press conference and then getting back here as quickly as possible. Good hustle. Jim Lambright from the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame was terrific. Todd Dewey, as always, terrific from the RJ. We'll be back again tomorrow. Going to catch our breath. Have a great night. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows. The whistle blows. And the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Where players dance with skates of flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up and they're down across the line. They storm the trees like bumblebees. They travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside. It's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Take me where hockey players face off down the rink And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream The puck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game Game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old.